Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. When my guest today came over to my office to just hang out and chill one day a couple of weeks ago, I was pretty intrigued with her because it was kind of refreshing that we had had some pretty similar experiences, but this also seemed like someone I could learn some lessons from. Ellie Berlin is a sacred life and business coach, and she is a big believer in pretty much everything can be seen as divine, and that even includes kink, your kinky side. Her pendulum has sort of swung from purity culture into the poly lifestyle, and now is swinging to more celibate lifestyle. We talked about a lot of things today, BDSM and finding a dom, connecting to your body. Of course, something that she said in the episode that really caught my attention was her notion of saying she really wanted to, to captain her own ship. And that has been what's guided many of her choices over the last few years. And that is something I would encourage everyone to do, of course, is become the captain of your own ship. You know, one of the reasons that many people come to me for coaching is because they don't feel like they're doing that in their lives especially if they've been in a long-term relationship. Look, I know that there's a lot of stuff out there that talks about whether it's songs, it's poetry, it's media, it's movies that talk about how the passion fades, the sex goes away, there's just high levels of frustration and you don't actually enjoy being married after a while. Well, I, of course, challenge that. I don't think that anybody should be unhappy in a long-term relationship. I don't think that any long-term relationship should just naturally run the course to becoming sexless. If you two are sexual beings, you should still be having sex. Plenty of asexual people have healthy, happy marriages. So I'm talking to the sexual people out there. You know, if you started off doing it, (laughs) that's, that's you. You're my target audience I'm talking to here. Couple ships take work, right? As a coach, I'm simply here to help guide you through some of that work. I'm here to provide you with tools and resources and information so that your relationship can be even better. So if you're listening to this and you've been wishing that things could be a little bit different or maybe a lot different, shoot me an email. It's Kristen at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. This is my very first episode for the month of March, which is Women's History Month. So you're going to be hearing some really exciting episodes this month. Ellie's kicking it off. I've got Alicia Sinclair Rosen from Children of the Revolution, which is basically the parent company of brands like Laywand, Cowgirl, and B-Vibe. I've also got a friend who's going to be on the show God knows what we're going to be talking about, but it's going to be fun. I know that. And then I also have a maker who lives in Berlin that makes a solo pleasure product. Might not be what you're thinking of. It's not a vibrator. (laughs) But you could use this with a vibrator or without. But I, this month, wanted to focus on bringing you all content that was women and femme centered. That was 
vulva and vagina centered. Um, and of course, that is pleasure centered. That's not to say if you don't own those things or you're not these people, (laughs) you're not that target listener, that you won't get something from these episodes. But hey, maybe these are some episodes that you share with some of your friends. Speaking of liking, sharing, and subscribing, please do so. Click that button on whatever platform you're listening to. Sharing and rating and reviewing the podcast is, of course, how I reach new listeners. Hello to everyone out there that is newer to the podcast. Still seeing some new folks pop up in new locations. Heavy downloads in, uh, say, Costa Rica. Had some heavy downloads in Mexico this last month. Canada as well. So if you're a new listener out there in those areas, hi, hello. Thanks for tuning in. Also, if you are a local, the March issue of The Pitch is on newsstands now. So if you don't know where to pick up a copy of The Pitch, you can go to their website and you can find their newsstand locations. My latest article is called Still Got It. Aging doesn't have to mean slowing down in the bedroom. If you've seen the beginning of Disney's Up, you've likely cried tears of longing or hope that you too will be so loved until your dying day. You gotta pick up a copy if you wanna hear more or subscribe to my email newsletter, whether that's your safe for work or your dirty bird newsletter. I always send out an email each month and you'll get a link to my digital version of the article in either one of those. To get on those email newsletters, you've got a couple of options. You can either email me, let me know if you want to be subscribed to Safe for Work, Dirty Bird, or both. You can also go to my social media links like in my bios for Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Click that link, scroll down, and you'll find the sign up links for both email newsletters. Okay, well thank you again. I appreciate you listening as always. Show my guest Ellie some love too by following her pages. And if you uh, would like a change of pace, I am now putting all of my episodes up on YouTube. Thanks again. Enjoy. On today's episode of Keep Them Coming, I am joined by Ellie Berland. And we met up recently for coffee and decided like we've got to have some further conversations about life, but let's record him this time. <laughs> let's get him on the podcast. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. It was so fun when we got together. It was like, oh my gosh, so many parallel experiences, so many interesting things to talk about. So many like things in alignment of what you're seeing from your clients, what I'm seeing from my clients. Like it's been, it's, it was a very interesting and cool conversation, even paralleled down to like our growing up in church and things like that. It's been really interesting and I I'm excited to continue the conversation here for sure. Well, uh, I have been saying for years that I'm working on this book about sex, relationships, dating, and Christianity in America. So I've I've been working on finishing it. But when I talked to you, all these things were popping up about like, yep, verifying all these things that I've interviewed or chatted with countless people who grew up in church and had such similar experiences here in the United States. Yeah. Absolutely. Purity yeah. culture is no joke. I mean, it really, it, it plants some things into your psyche that are very, very hard to remove. And for me, it's taken years and years and I'm still, I mean, I'm still in the process, even though I've lived such a full life, full spectrum of all types of dating, all types of sex, all types of everything. I mean, it's crazy. You can be, uh, 
acting and living as someone that you want to and still have these things that you're working through. So absolutely the process. There are entire social media pages now dedicated to deconstruction. I don't know if you follow Deconstruction Girl on Instagram. She's one of my oh, favorite. No, I will now, though. Cool. Yeah. Uh, there are coaching programs out there designed to help people work past the messages that purity culture implanted upon us. But, you know, a lot of us, regardless of whether we end up pairing up with a coach, you know, some of us are trying to work through this stuff, coach ourselves, read books, have experiences. And that's a lot of what you and I have done in our lives is just, yeah. like, let's just go out and do the thing. Let's just, let's just experience it. Yeah. I've, I've so much of what I've learned is, has been scrappy, you know, it's been books and experiences and I'm so thankful that that is the way that it is and has been for me uh because I feel like I've gained so much in trusting myself and knowing myself in that process and yes later in that process I've been able to get coaches and I've been able to like dive in in a little deeper way and go to classes and things like that um not necessarily when it comes to deconstruction but overall spirituality health mental health all those things that are so important and all of them are you know intertwined in all the ways um but my initial sort of like spiritual awakening came along with all of these things and the deconstruction of what the church had implanted in me and it was it was scrappy <laughs> learned along the way and it has hurt and it has been hard but it's also been so freeing and like I said that sense of self-trust that I've gained because of those experiences and because of that time spent on myself in those books in those processes learning how what it looks like to be me again starting over from scratch almost it feels like it's been in I mean priceless to do it that way so I don't know if I would recommend it necessarily to someone else, but <laughs> for me, it was good, long and good. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a long journey for for many of us, especially. It depends upon what you're gathering along into your your toolbox, I guess. Whether that's therapists that are actually helpful, and and not just perpetuating some of the myths or some of the really harmful messages um, just because yeah. they're carrying that bias with them still. Um, or we have friends who have done the work, friends who have had similar experiences and know what it's like to try to shake these things off or you know, partners, mm -hmm. partners especially who have done the work. I feel like um, so much of what I've learned has been through partners. Honestly, so much of my journey is is learning alongside the partner that I had at the time. And that's been a really interesting and weird and cool journey. And I'm really thankful for it. And I think that's so much of my story, especially when it comes to sex is really having, I, I've been just so blessed and lucky with partners that have taught me so much along the way and that I've just seen something in them that I really know that I desire. And gotten it from them basically and it's been really lucky I mean even recently I was looking back at my journals and I had this really long entry that was just sort of like this this poem to all of my lovers of the past like oh my gosh I couldn't be more thankful for all the things that I've learned all the things that I've gone through all the heartache that I've had to feel because it's taught me so much about myself and it's taught me so much about life and it's brought me to where I am today which is able to stand on my own two feet and not have to rely on those partners, which I was. And it was definitely 
cycles of codependency and cycles of, um, yeah, learning from them, good, bad, or ugly, you know? <laughs> That's a very thank you next approach, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Channeling your inner Ari. Definitely that. Yeah, definitely that. <laughs> it's been a, a funny little joke between me and my friends that I, uh, yeah, date a lot, have dated a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> like, I've dated which a boyfriend lot, is a coming lot, now? Lot yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I'm at a very different point in my life. Actually, this is an interesting thing we could talk about if we want to, um, maybe later. But uh, now I'm at a point where I am like choosing not to date. I'm, I'm celibate. Like I'm literally choosing time for myself and energy for myself and that sexual energy for myself instead of spreading it. Like I was, because it's just a different time period in my life. Like it's, you know, I gained so much, like I said, um, but now I'm in a different space. So anyway, we can yes. come back to that, but we will circle back to yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm very sure full listeners. circle. Yeah, listeners out there that want to hear your story of your your sexcapades. Yeah, uh, the fun part. Yeah, but then also, I think that it's very freeing for some people to hear people's journeys, to hear the ebb and the flow, to hear you know the the, the changes and the the self acceptance. So yes, we'll come back to that because I think that'll be something wonderful for people to hear. But first, before Absolutely. we get much deeper. Go ahead and take a moment because you have already mentioned how a lot of what you've experienced is what led you to this point. I mean, obviously we're all on a journey, but like mm -hmm. you see the direct correlation between the impacts of some of the things you've done, having brought you to this point. You didn't just land at this uh, randomly, but mm -hmm. tell, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and uh, what you're focusing on these days. Yeah. So right now um, I, I am multifaceted. So I have a few things that I do. I'm an experienced designer and have been for about 12 years. And I love that. That looks like event coordinating and planning and designing. And then I also, the newest thing that I'm doing or coming back to, I guess, is a sacred business and sacred life um, coaching. So for me, that means basically that all of life is sacred. And if you treat it as such, you'll remember how divine you are. And um, that brings in a lot of really, really, cool things into life and if you can find uh and I help people find their alignment and their dharma and their purpose and when you're acting from that place of knowing yourself and trusting yourself like I was talking about and acting on that divinity and being of service it is it it's wild how much life shifts I went from being just like hustling all the time like working non-stop to we just before that we started recording we talked a little bit about human design and now um knowing that I'm a projector that's a whole other <laughs> long subject but knowing more about who I am and how I function I have totally shifted my life and business to align with that and it's absolutely wild the amount of opportunities that come into my life I actually just made a TikTok yesterday about like I woke, I wake up and ask myself, what do I want to do? So I have a morning routine, but part of that is just asking, what do I want to do today? What do I, what does my intuition feel that I want instead of, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to, who do I have to answer to this and that? What do I, Ellie, sovereign being want to do today? Hmm. And yesterday it was, I wanted to wake up and go on a walk. So I did. And I just went on like an hour walk with my dog and not that this happens every single day, but it's crazy how many synchronicities can happen when this, when you allow for this it's, but I went on this walk and ran into a person on the street who wanted to pet my dog. 
and then we started talking and um, they wanted to hire me to do a, an experience. So it's crazy, like how, yeah, synchronistic and magical life can be when you really allow for it and when you tap into your intuition. And for me, part of that is tapping into your turn on. It's, and to, that is partially sexual, partially not. But for me, I teach a lot of intuition and body connectedness and applied uh, kinesiology. And so when you connect to your body that way, and for women, when we drop all the way into our pussies, we can feel when we're turned on and when we're not. And if you're living life from a place of turn on where you're only going towards the things that turn you on, holy shit, man, the world is magical. Like it's absolutely magical. And there's a lot there, but that's what I was about this the other day when we had yeah, coffee, but I like, know. Oh I'm like, there's so much more. <laughs> I, oh, oh my God. I love talking to people about connecting to their yes and their no. And I have asked them like, where do you feel it? And oftentimes, yeah, women feel it very much down in their pussies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they feel the no up in their chest. Yeah. Like, they just feel short of breath or like, they just want to like sink in, yeah. um, yeah (laughs) yeah what a fun start but yeah that's what I'm excited about now is um teaching people how to do that um and how to live their life from a place of huge fuck yes um instead of you know whatever they have to do (laughs) yes the enthusiastic yes I love helping people connect that absolutely like um, so you mentioned human design earlier and I've I've had a few friends talk about that i had a couple of friends be like take your quiz so I did look mine up and Mm -hmm. if you don't mind I might ask you just a couple questions because I'm sure the listeners are you know if you're not familiar with human design you've got some questions also to let you know Apple's new um iOS update allows very excited about this allows you to search for pictures you've taken so I went into the search search function for my photos and searched human design and it pulled up through the AI that's a game changer yeah so if y'all have taken screenshots you have 1100 photos (laughs) you can search now by what you took the picture of so anyway my human design chart and I know again I know very little about this says that I'm not an expert either but I can I can see what I can do (laughs) I'm a projector Mm -hmm. and you said that's what you are as well I'm a I'm a five five one okay I don't know a ton about the gates um but I do know about being a projector because I am one Mm -hmm. um And human design is one of those things that I have an expert that I refer to, and she's actually coming on my podcast later this month. Ah, I'll have to connect you. Yeah. So then Um, as a projector, what are some of your top tips you would say, you know, when you also are talking about how it relates to the way that you are, you know, doing the sacred life and business coaching and that it's so important to tap into yourself, not just Mm -hmm societal standards or not just what everyone else is telling you the way that you need to hustle, hustle, hustle. Like I am, I am also tired of this hustle culture. I said to someone, he called me out in like October, November. He's like, you're just not hustling as much as you used to. It's like, yeah, I'm not because I don't want to. And maybe that's related to all this. That's exactly related to all of this. So that comes back to tapping into your yeses and your noes. So for projectors, there are a few things of how they function that are very different than the societal norms. Very different. And so for me, what I take from the idea of being a projector is one, waiting for the invitation. So Mm -hmm. waiting for 
that someone to ask you so like like the example that we were talking about when I was like what do I want to do to listen to my intuition and then on that walk I got invited to talk about what I do for a living and so I did and it just turns out that, that person on the other end of that conversation needed exactly what I do so waiting for that invitation it can look like little things or it can look like big things you know my most successful things in the world are when I wait for the invitation in fact the only reason that I am a coach and mentor at this moment is that it just so happened and this is a cool spiritual teaching of when the teacher is ready the student will appear it's like mm -hmm. a consistent thing but for me I had several friends reach out to me and say, Hey, I know that you do that. I know that you're living the life that you are meant to live. Like, I know you're in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing. How do I do that? What do I do? What do I, how do I get there? Like, I want to quit my nine to five. I'm so tired of it. I know I'm meant for more. What does that look like? And so that invitation is what's leading me to do this more and more. So that kind of thing. So waiting for the invitation is one. Um, and then getting horizontal as much as possible, which take that however you might take it. <laughs> well, the listeners know that I take that very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Being horizontal as much as possible is amazing. Good uh, in many ways. Uh, I, I use that in many ways, including baths, naps, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, on the couch in the evening time, I'm absolutely. a once dinner and everything is done. Yep. Oh, me too. I am on the couch. And I used to think I was so lazy. And now I'm like, oh, I'm just a projector. I'm just meant to be a queen who lays here. Bring me grapes, like that kind of thing. And it feels really good uh, when you like allow for it, when you actually like sink into it and be like, oh, this feels so good. Instead of being like, oh, I feel guilty for not doing more. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Sink into it and enjoy. And then the other thing is that we're really not supposed to work more than like three to four hours a day. And so if you're working and pushing those like, societal eight hours especially as a woman who our hormone cycles are really not meant for that I'll be completely honest but if we are focusing and organizing and actually one of the one of my newest offerings is going to be a journal about how to do this of like actually structuring it's the it's the it's the balancing of the masculine and the feminine mm -hmm. um of like the structure around things and then the flow inside of it but the if we are actually organizing and doing those three to four hours as projectors, instead of pushing, pushing, pushing for those eight hours, we're going to get so much more distilled, amazing work and pointed work from that. And part of that being so pointed, distilled and potent is that you have to tap into that intu intuition. You have to tap into that yes and no to know what those important things are instead of just like, oh my God, I have... I mean, yeah, of course, if I wanted to make a to-do list, I could make it seven miles long. And I have, I've done that for a lot of my life. I mean, mm -hmm. and you can just keep going on it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, because we just tell ourselves, or even as business owners, let's, this is a side for nine people that are in their nine to five, because that's its own thing, right? Like that's someone else's structure that you have to adhere to. But if you're a business owner, oh my God, we could infinitely, like infinitely, if you wrote out every single thing that you thought of slash think that you have to do it would never end oh yeah and so yeah <laughs> getting getting to the like yes and no and leading from a place of intuition and like this is something that I know is supposed to be born from me and starting there and just doing that thing it's a game changer truly makes all the difference instead of just forever tasking 
all that's really kind of hitting me because the <laughs> days that I can just do focus work for three to four hours, I get so much done oh, compared yeah. to those wild. days where I'm allowing seeing clients is one thing, but mm-hmm. allowing multiple meetings to pile up or I also started just working four days a week. I'm taking yes. days of like no clients, hopefully no meetings, or if it's, you know, stuff that's business related or volunteerism, those things can go on those days. Yeah. That's the other thing too, is batching your days. Like I have certain days where I don't take any meetings, any clients, anything. Mm-hmm. I take a really long morning routine. I take a lot of time in meditation and I'm like, what am I supposed to create today? What, what can I be, what can I do to be of service? It has nothing. It, it's so, it's um, starting from like this place instead of like responding and like reacting, you know, it's getting ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely feel, I feel much better on the days where I feel like I am doing that rather than reacting to it. Yeah. yeah. Woo! Oh, damn. Okay. Some of that shit really makes sense now. I'm excited for you to dive more into human design. I think, especially as projectors, it's so anti-culture, so anti-society, like the way that we function. And so to know that you're not supposed to function like everyone else is this amazing, beautiful permission slip to like sink into who you are and how you function. And that's, for me, that's why projectors especially should be business owners because we the way that we function or freelancers or whatever in charge of your own time, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very, very, very hard to be working for someone as a projector because we see all the inconsistencies and inefficiencies in the world. Like we, that's what like projector means is like you see all the things that could be tweaked to make it better and more efficient. And when you're inside of a company and you feel like you can see those things, but no one's listening and no one's respecting your time and energy, it's like exhausting. You feel like you're hitting your head against a wall. And that's, yeah. I mean, what I did forever. And um, it, yeah, and now having owned my own business for, I guess now three years, it's been a game changer of being able to like tweak and change it within my own business to make it function better for the way that I work. It's been yeah, great. I feel that. <laughs> Uh, but also like something that came to mind for me is like, we do a lot of talking in sex and relationship coaching, especially with heterosexual couples about how, you know, desire is a fire that has to get stoked. Like those coals Mm. need to stay Mm -hmm. at a low rumble at all times. And I think for far too many women, we are stretching ourselves too far. We are pushing ourselves too hard. We are hustling too hard and taking care of so much stuff mm-hmm. that we are incredibly disconnected from yes. And when we're mm-hmm. disconnected from yes, we're disconnected from our pussies. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I actually have a, a whole ebook that I'm writing on this specifically, which is called Creating from the Quiet. And essentially what it takes to get to listening is quieting down, slowing down. Like we are so in our, in our nine to five culture, we're so in our masculine and that's the nine to five. That's why I say it's really hard for women because our our hormones are not meant to be in the nine to five structure. That's, that's literally how a man's hormones work throughout the day. The 24 hour cycle. I would say that uh, a nine to five is not great for anybody. Right. 
Henry <laughs> Ford be right. all over by doing that. Like, um, people want to say like, oh, well, you've got a better life than maybe an indentured servant or a serf. Like they actually have a lot more days off than we currently right. do under capitalism. Right. So I was going to say capitalism is a whole other conversation, but when we, and, and also this is a tricky conversation and I'm still learning how to have it when it comes to gender and sexuality and all those things, because a lot of what, where I come from, it's masculine and feminine. And in reality, it's yin and yang. Every single person has every single energy. That is, it is not about men and women at all. But I find that as a uterus owner and a pussy owner, that I really enjoy being in that feminine energy. But in my day-to-day and in our society, it is more normal to, to be in the masculine energy, the getting things done, the tasks, the like crossing things off the list, the go, go, go. Like the, that is a, an energy that's important for the structure, but it's been kind of twisted in a way that takes us out of uh, the ability to create. Because again, capitalism is a whole other conversation, but we've basically been taught to be worker bees, which is a very like, even not just masculine, but toxic masculine um, way of thinking and doing. But yeah, if we can slow down and listen to like the messages that your body is giving you, and um, especially with someone that has a bleed like I do, there are specific messages that come with that cycle and with that bleed that allow you to slow down that pace and really listen and create from that place. And it is so magical what can happen when you do slow down, quiet down and, and start from there instead of this, like catching up hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm. It's so different. Well, I will look forward to reading that one. (laughs) There's still, you know, some things that I've got to, to learn and unlearn. We all do. Sure. Um, This is also a new, this is newer. Like this is not being taught. This is, uh, you know, the age of Aquarius is, is where we're headed with this stuff. And it is a totally different way of being and doing. And we are, we are stepping into a matriarchal system. It might take a while, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we can see the patriarchal system crumbling before us. It's clearly not working. The systems are falling. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not functioning. So we will benefit from these shifts. Like, yeah. Any, any man out there that is scared of the idea mm. of a matriarchal society, like, here's the thing. Just because men have spent a few millennia treating us like shit doesn't mean we're prepared to simply turn around and do the same to y'all. We believe in doing better. So. Yeah, at least some women. <laughs> there are definitely no, some, some, some man like, haters out there. They, but and, I, they are, and I'm not trying to be like, no, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But like, look, on the whole, it's it's going to be just, just trust us. We know what we're doing. Well, I mean, if you really look at how women function, we function with empathy, with a little more slowness, with our intuition. And those are traits that I personally think that are what leaders should be made up of instead of someone that is, you know, this like... Or the volatility exists in people when they are not in tune with their emotions. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. Yeah, no, I'm in total agreement. Happy and sad or angry. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. When it comes to your adult visual content, are you wanting something a little more ethical? Perhaps a little more queer? Then maybe you need to check out Afterglow. Afterglow provides erotic visual content for women and non-binary folks made by women and non-binary folks. Why is it important to watch ethical porn? Well, because you want to make sure that everyone on screen is consenting. You want to make sure everyone on screen and involved in the production is getting paid for you watching this, not just someone who downloaded it from another website and re-uploaded it. And we are certainly not wanting to watch someone's revenge porn. The way to avoid all of those things is to pay for your content. But you can try out Afterglow for seven days free by going to the website that is either in the show notes or go to the links in my social media bios, click that, then use the code XOKristen, and you'll get a seven-day free trial to Afterglow. So, Ellie. Yes. You've had a fun time in your dating life in the last mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had a few people on her who have talked about swinging and poly and their journey through that world. And, and definitely some of the folks who have talked about their poly lifestyle have been, you know, in it currently. Yeah. They, nothing wrong with promoting a lifestyle that's working for them. So I just want to let you take a moment to explain a little bit more about your journey in and out of poly. Cause you mentioned earlier, you are now currently celibate. So we'll get to that, but yes. um, yeah, your journey into poly was a little different than what I think a lot of people end up doing. We've been together a long time and they're looking for something new or something different. Um, a lot of people in swinging and poly tend to be a little older, whereas you're in your twenties. Um, so I was actually surprised when you told me how old you were because of your experiences. <laughs> I was like, you've had, you've gone out there and lived a life girl. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think that's how we all should do it. Like just get out there and do the things. But anyway, yeah. I've rambled enough. Tell me a little bit more about how, how yeah. you kind of venture into that world. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'll, I'm going to start with this and it is that I think one of my personal gifts is that of curiosity and non-judgment. So for me, nothing is black and white at all, like anything. Everything is gray or really rather a spectrum of color. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, okay, how do I <laughs> even start this this story? So Yes, my dating history and my sex history has been wide and varied and very interesting. And I've learned a ton along the way. But I think so much of it started from that place of curiosity and non-judgment for myself. Like that I knew what I had been doing wasn't working for me. So I, I knew that, and I didn't know at the time that what I was doing was codependent monogamy. I didn't understand that. So essentially, I chose a very winding and interesting path to break my 
uh, anxious attachment and codependency and also um, some of the dogma and things that I had about purity culture. So I chose a very interesting path to break those things, but I also learned a ton along the way. And now I'm at a point where at least for now, I know what I want. And I, I think that that's the story is I just allowed for what I wanted at the time to lead me and knowing that none of it was permanent, nothing was that serious, that life is long and I get to choose, I get to keep choosing whatever it is that I think works for me and keep moving in that way. And so it all kind of starts with, um, of course, purity culture. And I ha I was fortunate uh, in my college years, mostly, to mm -hmm. have already have experiences where I, so, okay, backing up, I didn't, I actually uh, didn't have sex until I was 25 years old. So mm -hmm. that's only been the past four years of my life. So, so much of this has happened in a very short amount of time, which is part of the funny thing. Um, but in, in college, I was really fortunate to even have like good friends that I would like hook up with or make out with that I, that wasn't that serious. Like we knew we weren't anything and I didn't feel like we had to be anything. And it was this like nice intro into like, well, that's a possibility if that's something that I want, you know, um, pre COVID, I was in a relationship with, um, a man that I thought I was going to end up with and turns out that relationship was very unhealthy and very codependent and I didn't know it at the time because I just didn't have the verbiage for it I didn't you know I didn't even know what anxious attachment style was or why I had it or anything um and so so and I and I've also been always a fixer when it comes to relationships I've wanted I've seen the potential in someone. And honestly, this is one of my gifts too, is that I can see someone's higher self. Like I can see what they're capable of. And I stand by that. That is really a gift. However, when choosing a partner, it can be detrimental uh, because you see that the potential of someone, just because someone has potential doesn't mean they have any interest in executing it. <laughs> oh yeah. I've, I've definitely talked about that with clients. Like you cannot yeah. date the potential. No, 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 no. You have to date who is there. And it took me a long time to, to realize that. So anyway, um, I, I dated this person and, um, because I was in a place where I thought we were going to end up together, I finally was like, okay, I think I'm ready to have sex. So we did. And I wasn't even in the church anymore. It was just so I had, I had internalized this idea that one, if I had sex, I would be tainted, that I would be someone who wasn't uh, worthy of a grand relationship, this thing that I thought that I wanted, you know, worthy of um, a marriage or worthy of the right person, like this high caliber person that I wanted at this, at a whatever point. Like I thought that I, because of my, because of the dogma that I would be, yeah, unworthy. Um, mm -hmm. And so I know, and, and um, now I'm like, I'm so past that. I, I, very aware of my work. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, but it's been a dream. How many people out there that are just like that, that that's oh my god, them, even when they are like logically pushing away a lot of the values, a lot of the messages yeah. that purity culture and church or family gave them, or even society yeah. that 
that stuff gets so ingrained in our brains that it's a challenge to overcome. It's a really, it really is a challenge to overcome. And it's taken me a lot of work to do. Um, But once I, and, and, and I ended up breaking up with that person really not that long after all of this and in, in the middle of COVID. And so, um, from there, once I, 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 you know, women sometimes talk about this, like the breakups that like, it's like so crushing that it like, you like banshee scream, you you know what I mean? Like, just like fall to your knees. Like, and that was this for me, it was this like reckoning moment where I was like, how am I ever going to make it past this? This is what I thought. I was so sure that I put all of my eggs in this basket when it comes to at, like my, my purity, like my, the only thing that I thought that I had to offer, I gave to this man thinking that it would be forever. And we ended things and it, it did, it just, it was a reckoning. It was just a crushing. It was like, I, I remember thinking and almost promising to the universe, like, I will never do this again. I can't, I literally can't go through this again. I will die. I will die. And I can't do it, which is a very hard, but good place to be because in that there's surrender. I, I, I I give up, like, I can't do it. I can't do that again. And, and with that, there was a time period with some healing, but with that, it opened up some doors for me to say, well, if I'm at this point, if I'm at the, at the point where I thought I couldn't survive this, I've survived it. And I've also given away the only thing that I thought I had to offer then. Well, what else, you know? And I just started to look around and think, I'm, I think I'm fine. Like, I think I'm still here. I'm still like in existence and like, I think I'm still a human. Yeah. Okay. I'm still a human. I still have things to offer. Yeah. What, where do I go from here? And it just was sort of like, well, if I'm already, if I'm already tainted, well then maybe I can be the slut I always wanted to be. (laughs) (laughs) My God, it was kind of how I felt after I had sex for the first time. And I was like, well, I guess I can't go back to church. Let's just embrace the sluttery. Okay. Yeah. I was just like, well, what if I'm a whore then? I don't know. and so you also realize that in giving like you didn't really give anything away no not at all no not no, at all that is what they try to train us to believe right 100%. yes yeah, like, but the, mm-hmm. the moment that that's gone we're like unworthy that we're tainted that we're we're dirty that it's we're no longer of worth mm-hmm. and I was like I feel like I still have worth so let me go explore that and figure out what that looks like for me and I that has been the whole journey. It's been, I have worth, what does it look like and where does it come from? And it's been up and down, you know, non-linear as, as you can possibly be, yeah. but it has gotten me to this beautiful place of like innate worthiness that I just can't shake. No one can shake. It's just there. It's for me. Yeah. Love that. Well, Love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, okay. So, so yeah, after, after that experience, I decided, well, I've never casually dated. It might be time to casually date. And so I just got on the apps and was just like, I'm just going to 
no, I have no interest in a relationship at this point. I'm going to casually date and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I did. And one of the first people that I found on the dating apps ended up being my dom, (laughs) spoiler alert, for Mm -hmm. almost a year. Um, And he was really, he was really honest from the get-go. He was like, I am interested in non-monogamy. I am interested in casually dating. And and this is what I, uh, this is the way that I like to have sex. Have you ever heard of BDSM? And it's interesting because the way that BDSM was introduced to me was by one of my highest spiritual mentors. And I love that. She introduced me to this woman who is a dominatrix and a Taoist nun and was telling me about the energies, playing with the energies of back and forth of masculine, feminine, erotic power exchange. Exactly. And um, to me, that was so fascinating. I was like, oh my God, I can't get enough. And so I started looking into this woman and tapping into my own switchy power like what does that look like that gets fun to play with and so coming across this man that was like I know that I am a dominant and if you're interested we can play with this in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom and I was like oh my god it was like one of the first full body yeses I ever had I was like hell yes and he was hot oh he's so hot so I was like yes of course I'm so in and so we did, we, we played with, we had this like beautiful container that was like safe and easy. And we almost talked about it as if it were an experiment. Like it were, it was this thing that we wanted to play with, like mm-hmm. not only within BDSM, but like, Hey, what if we just talk about this along the way and figure out what works, figure out what we're interested in, play with all of these like, you know, metaphorical toys and try these things on and see what we both might be interested in more and more. And he just provided this very beautiful masculine structure that I just got to be like, what do I want to do? You know, it was like this beautiful amazing sacred container that just like came upon me as soon as I was like okay I want to explore okay universe I want to explore my sexuality what does it look like and it was like here a little gift on a platter for you and I was like yes so that was a very very fun introduction to this Mm -hmm. um and at that time I was like again because this whole self-image and unworthiness had just like shattered all of it had shattered. I just was like, well, what do I actually like? And I got to to ask myself those questions for the first time. And this is where I experimented with in within this safe container, which oh, I, I literally, I owe him a, a thank you. <laughs> I've given him several, but <laughs> it's still, he did a lot for my life and, and growth. And um, I'm super thankful, but I got to explore dating women. I got to explore like uh, really safe ways of dating multiple men. Like he would even like screen people for me. I got to go have like beautiful, like casual meetups within this like really safe space where he knew my location and like all these things. It was just, it was so 
lovely and open and no judgment, just like I had been trying to live my life and like even celebrating my sluttiness. And um, it just, it got to be this like beautiful thing, beautiful period of growth for me that let me just explore and deepen into my femininity, my sexuality, and just explore without boundaries. And so that exploration opened up my mind to well if I get to keep exploring if I get to keep looking at this in this way like what else is possible Mm -hmm. oh my god and so yeah that was my introduction to ethical non-monogamy which was clearly a really amazing experience for me Um, and so I thought well if this is the way that ethical non-monogamy is, then I am in like, hell yes, you know? And um, that relationship was, like I said, a beautiful container. It ran its course and we ended up ending things with mutual respect and love and care. And that was all great. And um, that led me into this journey of like, okay, well, if I am now single, and still interested in ethical non-monogamy, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. So I got to keep exploring with that. And um, the the poly thing was very interesting. Um, It was gradual. Mm -hmm. So within ethical non-monogamy, and that's, this this is an interesting thing too, because people use these terms sometimes interchangeably, but they are, and can be extremely different. And I think that that is one piece of advice that I could possibly give to someone that is on this journey or exploring with non-monogamy, exploring with poly, exploring with swinging, whatever it may be. Just because someone says a word doesn't mean that that word thinks or means to them what it means to you. Yeah. So asking the questions like, hey, then what are your rules? What are your boundaries? What does that mean for you? Someone says, I have a partner and I'm non-monogamous. That could mean a slew of things. Do they know you're non-monogamous? <laughs> are they aware and consensual and like excited and enthusiastic that you're non-monogamous? Or are they going along with it because they think that, you know, um, that's the only way they can keep you as a partner or are they not in the know and you're cheating? (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That's where you're just completely lacking the whole ethical part. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, but you have to be willing to ask those questions when you're encountering this, because it, all of these words have loose definitions and people use them interchangeably sometimes when in reality there are different every you can you can even say the same word mean the same thing and still have differences within those boundaries and within those structures so talking and communication is like the number one thing when it comes to all this stuff absolutely you do have to outline exactly what all these things mean to you my partner and i are married he is my nesting partner we are in an open marriage, yet we don't like play with anybody right now. Um, yeah. Don't have any plans to go play with anybody right now. But yeah, there are times where people see or hear that I'm in an open relationship and then they try to slide into my DMs. And if you're listening, I'm just letting you know it's not appreciated <laughs> uh, because you didn't ask any questions. 
right? You don't really know me. You don't know what my thing is. And just because you see that on my profile doesn't mean it's an open invitation. So yeah, you got to talk to people about this stuff before you make any assumptions about how people are operating. And it also helps set up better expectations for what's to come. Um, and if your way that you operate is not in line with the way that they operate, that's okay. They can go do their thing. You can go do yours. But you've got to be in tune with yourself and your needs and what you want. It's all about that enthusiastic yes for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And enthusiastic consent is one of the pillars that I decided very, very early on in my sexual exploration journey that was so important to me and trusting that if I was a no, then I didn't have to do anything. You know what I mean? Like there in this journey, there were so many opportunities to check in with myself, which I think actually was such a big part of the learning experience along the way was like checking in and deciding, do I want this or not? You know, because I got to keep, I was, I was the, the captain of my own ship, you know, mm -hmm. and it's a very empowering, cool thing to feel that. And as a woman who is in her sexual power and learning what that feels like, there are a lot of offers that come in. I mean, it is, it can be, especially if you don't have the boundaries, which now I've learned how to put those like energetic and actual boundaries around it so significantly that the filter is key. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome because the only, the only things that come through those boundaries are already mostly yeses. And then I get to decide, is it a, is it a hugely enthusiastic yes or no? But that was such a, a gift to me to, to be able to check in over and over again. Is this a yes or is this a no for me in every situation, whatever it may be? Um, yeah, so the poly thing. So uh, I entered into poly somewhat accidentally. Okay. Not fully, but essentially in the start of my ethical non-monogamy journey, I was dating someone alongside dating this person that I had talked about being this really sacred masculine container that was a dom, all these beautiful things. Um, and this person, he was in a marriage and, um, but was dating me and one other person. So he was truly poly. I mean, he was almost kitchen table poly with mm -hmm. them. And, um, our relationship was really beautiful. It was very long-term. So we dated for like two and a half years, but it was so slow. Um, he was the first person to ever allow such a slow burn in a relationship. And I just really appreciated that. I really loved that we could see each other once every six months. And it was like, amazing or once every three months and then it you know got shorter and shorter and shorter and then we started seeing each other every week and that kind of thing and it became more of like an in ingrained relationship in my life um but he was the first version of Polly that I saw and his relationship with his wife was so it was platonic the way that they functioned but it was so beautiful and lovely and I had such respect for her um and the way that she functioned with her partner on the other end of things and I felt so like welcomed into that situation that 
it felt like, oh, well, if this is what Polly is, like, I'm very interested in this too, mm-hmm. because I love the idea of a chosen family. I love my family dearly, but there are things, especially with that distance between Christianity and where I am now, that I didn't feel like I could always be fully myself with that family. And so having a chosen, (laughs) having a chosen family was like incredibly appealing to me and getting to do life alongside people that accepted me for exactly who I was and am Mm -hmm. was like, this beautiful invitation. And so I was like, oh my God, I want that so badly. And so not only with that relationship with with others, I started sort of seeing it pop up more in my peripheral peripherals, like, oh, Polly is a thing. Not like I can I can have whatever actual emotional relationships I want, not just these casual sexual encounters or casual dating, because for me, I'm a very deeply feeling person. Like I love my people. (laughs) I love them. And so it was very difficult for me to maintain any sort of interest sexually in people past the point of novelty if I didn't have any sort of friendship or relationship with them. And so Polly was very appealing because it was like, well, I can have my cake and eat it too. I can have these beautiful like sexual encounters and have these beautiful friendships and romantic relationships and whatever else I want, what I can be. I I really got into the idea of relationship anarchy for a while, which was very Mm -hmm. fun where it's like, no, no relationship goes into any category. Everything is whatever it is, which there's something really beautiful. in the idea of that, you know, idealistically it's perfect. You know, you get to, you get to, encounter and be with every human being exactly how you want to be without any restrictions like you and that person get to decide what your relationship is and I do take that somewhat still into my life where some of my friendships have this sort of partnership aspect to them not in a sexual way anymore but in a like we're doing life together way you know we're not just hang out and get coffee like we're in it together and mm-hmm. so there, there were some really beautiful like lessons that I took from that time period and I've placed into my life. Um, but like I said, I kind of accidentally got into this poly world without really knowing. I mean, I did some research and I tried to understand and I understood a lot about ethical non-monogamy and boundaries and rules and like communication. And like, there's so much there mm-hmm. that I studied and then I also learned on the fly and learned from my partners along the way too all of it was beautiful and all of it was important the thing that I didn't account for was other my partners partners Hmm. I didn't account for the idea that not every single person on the other side of the partnership would be as enthusiastic about what was happening and enthusiastic about this idea of chosen family and about loving and accepting each other as I was. I didn't really account for that idea. And so along the way, when I was dating another person um, who I was like really deeply falling in love with, to be honest, and he had this other partner, this is a different, this is another boyfriend aside from Mm -hmm. the other. Uh, And he had this other partner that was much less enthusiastic about the situation. I was like, mind blown. Like I didn't even know how to handle it. I didn't even account for that as an, as an option. 
And come to find out, like, that is definitely a part of poly sometimes. Like, not everyone is as excited, as enthusiastic, or able to speak their truth and what they want, or even know what they want to get to the point where they can have that communication with their nuclear partner so that everyone else can happily coexist. So that was a very, very challenging thing to learn that there are, there is another side of this that I can't account for and I can't do anything to control. All I can do is myself and control myself, you know, and what I'm feeling and, and voice what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that it just got too hard. It just got too challenging. I got too um, deep in it without reciprocation. Like for me, I was excited about the idea of kitchen table poly. I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. I want to be best friends. Like I want to, I want bring everybody in. Yes. Like, oh, hell yes. Like we all get to like be a loving family and like sleep with whoever. Like I was like, this is the best. (laughs) But that's not necessarily how everyone is able to see it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's what they need. And that's totally fine. Um, But I found it really challenging. uh, And I I guess I didn't account for some humanity, you know, and that's something that is always going to come up because not every single person knows how to voice exactly what they're feeling all the time. Not every person knows or can stand on their own two feet enough to say, this is not what I want, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I had to learn that for myself. Like, finally, I was like, this is not what I want. As much as I want you, this situation is not what I want. And it went from being this really beautiful thing where I had these two like lovely boyfriends who were like, who knew each other, who were like working together and like supportive of me and caring all the way to like, oh my God, this is, this is absorbing every minute of my, my time and emotion and energy. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I was being pulled in these directions and I didn't know where to put my energy because I wanted to put it in this place, but it was being asked of me in this place. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I lost control of my own time, of my own energy. And I felt so spread thin that I had lost myself in it, lost myself in the sauce. You know what I mean? It was just sort of like, oh man, when did this go from me being this like empowered, badass, like slutty, amazing version of myself to like being ruled by everyone else's emotions all the time. And so for me, it just got to the point where I was like, I think that Polly may not be for me strictly because I know that I have a mission on this planet, that I'm here for a purpose, that I'm like divinely guided to do all these things. And I finally decided that a lot of what I was doing in those back and forth times of this relation, these relationships was essentially just distracting myself from the things that I knew that I wanted. I had stopped listening to my yeses and nos because I was in these relationships again, because I had cycles of codependency, I had cycles of anxious attachment that I had to heal. Mm-hmm to even stand on my own two feet within a relationship, trying to juggle multiple at once was too difficult. It was too much. I didn't have enough groundedness in myself at the time to make that work. And so I just said, everyone quiet, you know, all of the, all of the emotions, all of the voices, 
And I ended things with mm-hmm. both of those partners completely and took that some is time. So important though, when you're on your healing journey to take those moments through like, I was, I thought my healing <laughs> was going to take me this way. And I, now I realize I've gotten off track. Like yeah. there is an ebb and a flow. There is a period of like feeling very, very expansive. And then mm-hmm. suddenly you wake up and realize that that's kind of retracted. So it's sort of like, that's exactly right. You have to go through some of this muck in mm-hmm. the process to really understand more about yourself. You of course do your best to be kind to yourself mm-hmm. and to be kind to the other people that you're yes. yeah. having these experiences with, but mm-hmm. this is what happens. You know, you allow yourself to explore via curiosity and see where life or the dating world or sexual experiences will take you. But when you hit that point where you go, this just isn't in alignment with what I want. This doesn't feel great. There's got to be something different. You've got to listen to that. That's exactly right. And even if it's, oh, like so much of this is what I want, but these key pieces are out of alignment for me. That for me was the hardest part. I was like, oh my gosh, so much of this is exactly what I want, but, and I couldn't, I couldn't reason with myself for just leaving it there. Like I, I couldn't live with the almost enthusiastic. Yes. I, I had to go with an enthusiastic yes, which was myself ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that's what it always comes down to is like, of course we hope that our people in our life like are supportive and caring, but ultimately we're responsible to keep choosing ourselves, whatever that may mean, choosing the yes for ourselves that lead us to where we're going and choose to look at all these things that come about in life as lessons. Like, for me, in my opinion, we're here partially to be in school. Like we're here to learn things along the way. And so that curiosity and that like willingness to learn lessons, I mean, it's taken me very, very far. And I'm very, I'm so thankful that that's the way that I've done things. It doesn't mean that it's saved me from all heartache and all struggle it just means that on the other side of it, I know more of who I am and I'm, I'm more and more in tune with my yes. And so I keep following that. Beautifully said. And trying to tune into that yes is what's led you to now be practicing celibacy. So uh, this is not uncommon either for a lot of people. I've had some clients ask like, what, I feel like I'm just going through one extreme to the other. I was like, well, just release the judgment and say you were participating in something that you enjoyed and now you're participating in something else different that brings you joy. Just find the neutrality so that you can just participate in life in a way that feels authentic for you. That's exactly right. And to me, I really believe in the idea of the energy of a pendulum, like swinging and always it's going to find that neutral space. And for me, because I had gone I had been, I had been spreading and giving so much of my energy, sexual, emotional, physical, mental, that I had to take a moment. And that's what this is. It's taking a moment to come back to myself 
and give all that energy that I was spreading everywhere and just bring it to me, bring it in, kind of contract into myself a little bit for a little bit of time so that I can feel like my well is full again. And I can listen to those yeses and nos from a place of like overflowing yes and no, not just the quiet yes and no. And so for me, celibacy is that it's, it's really, and I also, um, I don't know if you've ever talked about sex magic in in anything that you do, but I haven't. I, okay, I, cool. I want to try to get some of the folks that um, are out teaching or like kind of help develop sex magic on the podcast. But yeah, you should definitely do that. Um, well, I won't go into it a ton, but um, there are a lot of ideas about how sexual energy is extremely powerful energy and how it is extremely creative and creating energy. And for me, because of all the things that I am creating in this world and how much I know they are needed. And I feel this like mission and this responsibility to do the things that I meant to do in this planet. I just knew that I needed some time to bring all of that energy back into me to actually create from a space of like this sacral energy well. And so that's what I'm doing now is really pulling it all back and providing that energy to myself that I had been spreading out. So that's, it's uh, definitely a time period. It's definitely not forever. It is, it is for a purpose for me mm -hmm. and it already has been so fruitful. I feel that that energy is being spent well and that it is, um, allowing me to do things like this, where I am, you know, listening to my yeses and nos. And one of those was talking to you and, you know, being on the podcast and um, creating my coaching program and all these things that I just feel so passionately about have come from this time of celibacy, because I get to focus all of my like partner, creative, sexual, all of that energy into myself. It's been, it's been I powerful. that. I love that. And you just sometimes need to listen to your intuition. You gotta listen to your gut telling you what you've got to do in this moment. That's best for you and yeah. release the judgment on yourself for anything. Just be, just be, that's exactly right. Releasing the judgment. And we didn't even really touch a ton on the, the sh I mean, we did, I guess with the purity culture a little bit, but the shame portion of so much of, of when it comes to sex and especially of like the way that society um, views sex and for me, getting rid of that shame was the, the biggest thing. And that comes with every portion of what we talked about, like really releasing the shame and judgment of thinking that anything that I have tried on along the way is any means anything about who I am. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything about who I am. Mm -hmm. Simply clothes from a closet or toys from a closet. You get to try them on see how they fit, walk around in them for a while. Oh, maybe this is the thing that I, I like this a lot. Like maybe, maybe for a while, just like your favorite outfit, like, oh, for a while, this is, feels, feels really good. I might wear this a lot. And then one day you're like, oh, I'm kind of tired of that outfit and then try something else on. It's, it's the same thing. It's just flowing with who you are and what you're looking for at the time, whatever feels like a yes or a no. And then being willing to take that thing off and put it back 
into the closet when it's no longer fit for you mm-hmm. and not let it mean anything about who you are as a human being. That metaphor is beautiful for many things in life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ellie, we're at the end of this show. So the last thing that I do to wrap up my podcasts is have a ask coach Kristen anything segment. Now this is your chance to ask me a question, you know, for something you'd like more information about. You can ask for a friend or just give my opinion about something that maybe you and some friends were chatting about and see what I might have to add to the conversation. Very fun. Um, I think I guess I guess I would ask. Um, and this is probably more for the listener because you focus so much on sexual education, and I didn't touch on any of that during our conversation. But I think there's such an important piece of poly or non-monogamy that it, we didn't touch on, which is like the safety and the communication portion. And I guess I'm curious if you were to have to give some advice about like some of those things what would you tell the listeners about safety and communication? I appreciate that question because, and I do think some of this also relates to dating in general, the kind of safety measures you need to take. Um, Okay. If you, especially if you're a woman and you're looking for a man online and he gives you his name And you should always get a full name before you ever meet up with somebody. No, just first names, no usernames. If you met on maybe FetLife or something, Uh, you should know their full name and you should be able to find them online somewhere. If you cannot find them online, they're likely not who they say they are. Maybe hold off, try to get some more information. They could be hiding something. Okay. So if again, you're trying to get into poly or you are a poly person and you want kitchen table, you want open, all those things. You've got to inspect for what you expect. So how open they are in the beginning will tell you volumes. I think if if they're saying things like, oh, my wife, you know, we are open, but she doesn't want to know anything. Right there to me, that's a red flag for high levels of jealousy. Mm-hmm. This the research, there's been very little research about poly people, but the little bit of research that there is show that the more open and transparent the relationship is, the le- the lower the levels of jealousy are. Um, again, back to the safety thing. Um, I think that you need to have a video or a phone call before you go and meet in person with somebody. I think that can also help just make sure that like, can we have a conversation? Like, are we going to get along? But they've also got to pass the vibe check, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think about, that you, what about sexual like health and safety as well? Yeah. Yes, I think that that is something that's important because you you can only control yourself. They can only control themselves. But if they've got multiples, like you are going to be linked somehow. So when you're talking about things like fluid bonding, you got to ask those questions about. What are your pol- your policies with your primary partner about fluid bonding? Um, you know, if they say that they're fluid bonded with six different people, but those people are also dating, they need to ask some more questions. A wide net, yeah. <laughs> That's a very wide net. Other people are very, very small with that. Like they may have some people who are their, you know, cuddle puddle buddies, but they don't actually have any sexual interactions. Like you, it is okay 
to ask for these details because your sexual health matters. It is okay to be asking, when was the last time you were tested? And also my biggest piece of advice on that is if anyone says, I'm clear or I'm, you know, clean. Okay, clear. You could say my test results were all clear. My test results were all negative. But if they ever say I'm clean, they may not have not had a STI test ever. <laughs> In fact, because clean, <laughs> clean is not a medical term. You know, your, right. yours doesn't call you. Either you have, yeah. Yeah, you don't get a message from the, the doctor line saying you were clean. You get a message saying your test results were negative. Your test results were clear. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you need to talk about barrier protection. Not enough of you all are, and I don't mean you, Ellie or Polly people. I mean, I mean everybody. Yeah, we are not using barrier protection as much as we claim we are. If we were using mm. as many condoms as we claim we are, the sales and production of them would be double. Wow. That's a wild statistic. Yeah. Also, people don't think about oral sex as needing barrier protection. Yeah. That's a big one. Like if you're going down on a woman, you're susceptible to plenty of to things. all the things. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wish y'all would use dental dams more often too. Um, you can turn a condom into a dental dam, but yeah, I, oh, I think cool. safety wise, those are some of the, the primary things is if you're not wanting to get caught up in someone's bullshit, you've got to ask questions mm -hmm. and, and be willing to listen to yourself and like, say no, when those red flags come up instead of being like, Oh, it's probably fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you might think that this person is absolutely hot. You might find them incredibly attractive. They might have this energy that you are craving, but if the other things are adding up again, if you've got this list of 10 things that are in line, but these two really critical things are not aligned, such as the level of transparency, you, you know, you're just, something just doesn't quite seem right. You can't find them online. Um, they don't seem to take their sexual health very seriously, or they don't seem to take people's feelings very seriously. And those things are important to you. Yeah. Listen There's plenty of fish yeah. out there, especially ladies. Like you can go catch a dick real fast. Like it's not that hard. <laughs> not that hard. It's not that hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say those are my main tips. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. It was so good to get to continue our conversation here. Absolutely. So well, and of course, take a moment and let the listeners know how they can find you online. Yeah. Um, easiest is Instagram um, at Ellie Berland underscore E-L-L-I-E-B-E-R-L-A-N-D. Um, and I have a lot of stuff there and um, some links to some of my resources and things and have a lot more in the works right now. So wonderful. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm sure we are going to be chatting again more very, very soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, Please subscribe to that list. 
send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.